someone said um, out there, they said, are you Dr. Tony Robinson? No, they know me, Shiona. I said, yeah. They said, we didn't know that. I said, I know they keep trying to snatch the covers off of me and blow my cover. <laughs> so you all, I'm not about titles and big names and all of that stuff. Just call me your greatness and we'll be cool. I'm excited. I'm going to say this first because I'm excited about this. Lori, I'm excited for this. By the way, because some people are looking at my feet and they're like, does she have on shoes? No, I don't have on shoes. We just going to work with that today. I had shoes, wore shoes here, but my knee got a little bit wobbly. And I said, the last thing that's going to happen today is I'm going to fall on my face when my knee gives out in these shoes. So we're going barefoot and this is holy ground. And if I'm barefoot, something great might be happening. I don't know what, but Lori, I was so glad for what Chris said to you because this morning you came to me and you were, and I was as I was praying for this service and I literally heard God say to tell you you have been given a new lease on life everything becomes new greater days greater length greater joy greater opportunities greater open doors more books than the one you've already completed and we still waiting for you to print but this is a season of stream of greater and brand new brand new revelations of his love and his mercy seen as goodness you have a brand new revelation and understanding of life and when we get those revelations we've been given them so that we can indeed pour them out so this new season of life if you thought you were imparting life before sister girl get ready get people got some buckets waiting on you to pour life that's going to give them both natural and spiritual life because in that you all have you also have received a new level of wisdom so i'm excited for you okay so are we excited are we excited we excited okay we're going to do this right quick. I need everybody who has breath in their lungs to extend their hands towards me and join me in prayer as we say, Father, bless her. We know she's crazy, but you're able to work with her. Strengthen her. Give her wisdom, clarity. <laughs> and bless us. bless us. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning. We don't take it for granted. And, Holy Spirit, I just thank you because you're always present and you're always here. And you have so adequately just wrecked us in worship. And we ask that you would continue the wrecking. We open ourselves up to become a wrecking station where your love can come in and it just begins to wreck us and to strip us of any false identities and wrong thought process that keep us held back. Father, we acquiesce this morning and say, Father, let your will be done and let your kingdom come in our lives. In Jesus' name. I'm excited this morning um, because we get to talk about the love of God. Um, Rochelle had asked me, what are you going to talk about? And I said, we go to encounter. I'm talking about the love of God. What else would I be talking about? <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the love of God and our mindset and how it renews our minds and it shifts our minds. And 
I'm telling you right now that we, you may want to um, unbobby pin your wigs, your weaves, your lay your hat to the sides because I have fully prayed and expect God to blow all of our minds. So if my braids start falling off, just know it's part of the process because God is blowing my mind even now. So, all right. We, this, I want to talk about um, meditating on the love of God. And I love that Chris Ritchie brought out what he talked about, about where we're defined at. And I, we were in the green room and you were saying that. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't even have to preach. Please. I'm going to give you the microphone because you have it. You have the word. You have the word. And then what you were talking about the fruits. And so I'm like, yes, God is flowing in some one accord. And the reason I want to talk about meditating on the love of God is because often as Christians, we get a little bit. Mm, kind of meditation, meditating. We get a little bit kind of, I don't know, is that good or is not? It's real good. I'm going to tell you now, it's real good. Um, Sometimes it can look like it's something called new ageism. Oh, they're meditating. And (laughs) what I found out is this. I I love to observe. I'm a looker. I'm a seer. And I begin to look around. And as God began to deal with me about meditating, and he's had me here for a little bit in a season of this meditating. And he said, look at these people. And the church shies away from new age. And not really our our church because we're in a different place. And we're, um, but you know, sometimes the people, in, I don't know, Phoenix. Um, <laughs> them. Yeah, them. <laughs> you know, those Arizona people. They, I don't know about them. Uh, <laughs> somebody said, what if they watch and what if they listen to the podcast? They in Arizona, they not. They running from the heat. <laughs> but what I've noticed about people that meditate, have you ever noticed this? They always seem to have this consistent level of peace they're not easily disturbed they're just like oh we're in a zen mode the world is oh they said the world's coming to end on cnn (sighs) (sighs) yeah (laughs) meditation is good I want to read this morning from, oh, I do own a Bible, in case somebody says she only have a Bible. I do, but I'm at age now where I need the largest print edition, and I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they don't come in the cute carryables. They like this big, giant family Bible edition that I'd have to work out for three weeks just to carry it up in here, and then it'd be like, thud. Okay, so I got the scriptures here. <laughs> So we're going to begin with um, Psalm 1. (laughs) Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law both day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And I really want to focus on, but those who delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
we understand that we're under, how many of you do understand this? We're under a new covenant. We're under a new era. We're in a different particular. We're not under the old law that Jesus fulfilled the law. He satisfied the law and, and he did what we really would never have been able to do. And I want to focus on that because sometimes we meditate on the wrong things. The old law was a demand. The new law is an invitation. There was a change in the law. The new law is an invitation to settle into a posture of love. To settle into a place of grace, to cease from striving and to live from a place of rest. The old law was a demand. I'm just going to repeat this because it sounds good to say I'm going to repeat it. The new is an invitation. It's an invitation to settle into a posture of love, to settling into a place of grace, to cease striving and to live from a place of rest. The disciples, I love this because sometimes we like to get caught up on systematic things and we, you know, we want to cross every T and dot every I. And so uh, when I was looking at this, I was like, well, and he said the law has changed and I wanted to see where and how. And I began to look and the scripture just popped out of me. And it's in uh, Matthew 22, uh, 36 and 40 says the disciple says teacher which is the greatest command in the law and Jesus replied love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind I'm gonna rest there for a second to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and I began to think about this and was like, well, how does this tie into meditating on your law both day and night? Well, when Jesus came and he fulfilled the law, what he did was establish a new law, and that was the law of love. We're now under the law of love. And we cannot, with all um, intention, meditate on love and still be the same. Something happens when our focus shifts to where we're constantly in meditation and our mindset is built and wrapped and framed around love. Love changes everything, not just some things, not just half the time or sometimes or here a little bit or there a little. Love changes everything. And what evidence do I have to prove that love changes evidence is the very act of by love and in love, Jesus came and was on the cross for us. And in that act, it changed everything. Love changes everything. I want to go over here back to Psalms 1 where it says that when we meditate on his law day and night, and that this person is like a tree planted by streams of water. When you begin to meditate in love, love will root you and ground you, and it will plant you. Lee gave that prophetic word, was it last week, the week before last, about being rooted and grounded and planted, and we are planted in love, which yields its fruit in season. 
I hope y'all listened to what Lee was talking about because that was a word for the hour when he talked about fruit and what it yields. And this fruit, it said, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. So we're going to talk about some fruits of meditating on his law day and night. When we are intentional about meditating on his law day and night, which is the law of love, one of the fruits of that is peace. The word says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. When my mind is stayed and rooted in Christ, all of the outside circumstances and situations become dim and they begin to fall away. It changes the way that I think. I don't think from a place of chaos. What is the counter opposite of peace? Chaos. Because my mind is being kept not just in peace, but in perfect peace. Yes, Come on. <laughs> Somebody in here needs peace. I'm telling you what I know. We just sometimes can assume that everybody's walking in peace. Somebody came in and had maybe a report from the doctor. Somebody came in with bills knocking at your door. Somebody came in with car issues. Somebody came in with kids who were going here and there and didn't know what to do and said, God, if I don't get an answer from you, I won't know what to do. And his answer is meditate on my love because in there I'll give you peace and I'll break every stronghold that the enemy is trying to wrap you up into me. Make you see things that as though they are rather than as they really are. The fruit of meditating on his love both day and night is understanding. When we meditate on his love day and night, we get an understanding of God's heart and his mind concerning us. Can I tell you that God's thoughts towards us are always and only good and that's it God has never had a bad thought he's never had a negative thought concerning you ever at any given point in time Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the thoughts that I think towards you said the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And another version says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. And remember in Psalms 1, it says, when we meditate on his day and light, and on his law day and night, that it'll be like a, a tree planted by the streams of water, whose leaf, does not, whose leaf does not wither, and whatsoever they do prosper. God's will and his intentions for us is to prosper and when we have a clear understanding of that when I understand how God thinks about me it changes how I think about myself and when it changes how I think about myself it absolutely changes how I think about you (laughs) when we get to that level of understanding and we think about and view ourselves in the way God does, we get to look it at through the lens and the filter of love. Can I tell you that God has set us up so good? God is the original setup artist. I promise you that he is. Something happens when you get an understanding. I'm trying to contain myself and be all proper. And uh, We still got a minute. 
something happens when we understand God's heart and his motives and thoughts to us, it shifts us. I want to shift for a second. I have the scripture up here. But how many of you know the story of Jacob? Okay, Jacob, good. And he stole his brother's birthright. Well, actually, he didn't steal it. He gave it to him. Um, we Sometimes we sell ourselves a little bit short uh, for what we can see right now instead of waiting for what we know God has promised us. And then he went in. It was a deceptive act between his mother and his father was ready to administer the blessing. And she sent him out. You know, he, she, she was eavesdropping. And um, I call it ear hustling. Um, and he went out and, you know, she sent he went out to get the stuff to make the soup, the stew, and the brother came in, and he snuck up in there, and um, the father blessed him, and immediately he began to go on the run, and he had an encounter one night, and in this encounter, he began to wrestle with an angel. Now, I would have loved to, I just, this thought came to me, so I don't have the scripture in front of me, but the blessing that he was blessed with was an extensive blessing that had no end. And here he is wrestling with the angel, and because he is in fear of what he had done, he's in fear of his past, he doesn't feel worthy of the blessing that the father received, that the father bestowed upon him, and he's running for his life, and all these things that we do when we're striving. And this angel comes, and he begins to wrestle with him throughout the whole night. Some of us have had to wrestle all night long. And he began to cry out and say, I won't let go until you bless me. When you do not understand that God's thoughts towards you are good always and only and his plans are good for you always and only. And that he only means you good and never any harm to hurt you or to to break you or anything like that. But to prosper you, you would understand that you were already blessed. He already had the blessing of the father, but because he was living and running from a place of striving... I won't let go till you bless me. God, and I won't let go, and I won't let go. And God, if you just pay my bills, and God, if you just, and God, and I won't let go. And God, it's him, but I've already called you blessed. But if you get what my heart is towards you. It didn't matter what happened when you were 7 and you were 10 and you were 11 and you were 13. It don't even matter that you cussed your kids and your husband out on the way to church because you're still blessed. Because my thoughts didn't change for towards you. When we get that, it changes our thinking. And when we understand that we're blessed no matter what, not because of anything we could do or have done, but because that's the heart of God for us. It changes everything. It changes how we interact. It changes with what we believe. It changes how we love each other. Because now I don't have to be intimidated that Glenda can dance like a a New York ballerina. And I can't two-step because my knee may give out if I preach in heels. (laughs) But I could. Well, we won't talk about that. I'll leave that twerking to Carla. Um, One of the fruits (laughs) of meditating on his law day and night is right orientation. Because where your mind goes, so does your heart. Where your mind goes, where your mind is oriented, so is your heart. The Bible says, such as a man thinketh, so is he. 
So when we begin to meditate on love and we understand there's nothing in love, that, that there's no lack in love, there's no one in love, there's no insecurity in love, there's no doubt about who we are, there's no doubt about what God is and how he views us because now we have peace and we have understanding. It changes and when our hearts are oriented, it changes the shape and the shift in how we walk. Where your mind goes, your heart follows. Psalms 34 says, uh, 3, 1, 3, he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When you magnify something, if I'm to magnify something, I have to focus intently on this thing. I have to, and as I focus on it, it begins to become enlarged. And the more you meditate on God and the more you meditate on his love, can I tell you, the larger God gets the larger his love comes and we, we we then our prayer shifts not to god do you love me show me if you love me to god expand my capacity to receive your love because it's so big for me that i can't contain it expand my capacity enlarge my territory It goes on to say, and I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. When you begin to magnify him and you allow him to become enlarged in your life, fear has to diminish because there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And every area where fear tries to surface, guess what? When we meditate on his law, which is love, when I begin to meditate on his love both day and night, it rules every fear. It demolishes it. And fear becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And in those areas where fear tried to find pockets, guess what? Love, the perfected love of Christ draws and drives that out. Hmm. When we meditate on his law, which is love, we have a renewed mind. Scripture says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love that God's love never runs out. It's never depleted. It's never empty. It's a continuous flow. But when I'm not rooted in it, and I don't understand it, and I'm not being perfected in peace, and I'm not oriented right, I start to think that there's a deficit in love. And when we have a deficit in love, it produces an orphan mindset that says, why do you love everyone else but me? Why are you blessing everyone else but me? Why are you healing everyone else for me but me and God is sin, but I've already provided all of that. And the more you spend time in my presence, we are... What is that, Chris? Defined in his presence. And in his presence is the fullness of his love. So the more that we abide in his presence and we're meditate on it and we're soaking in it and steeping in it, our minds become renewed and they become so aligned with the mind of the father. And when the mind is aligned, so is the heart. 
and Zach has preached about this before, and my nephew was a, um, a preemie, and so um, he had some heart issues, and so what they would do is the parents would come in, and it would do skin to skin, and his little heart would be erratic and all of this, and they would place him on the heart, skin to skin, and all of a sudden, his heart began to be aligned. It began to beat as one. And the beat was so even that it soon began to happen where they could not distinguish the heartbeat of the baby and the father because they were one. When our minds get renewed, somebody look at your neighbor and say, you need to get your mind right. I won't say call him out by name. <laughs> Some of us, Tony, y'all call me by name. I know I need to get my mind right. <laughs> but something happens when we allow our hearts <laughs> to become aligned with the love of the Father. And there's a connect from here to here. Um, I, I was looking at something on Facebook and Lori had shared something and I posted on Facebook that said there's a difference in believing in God and believing God. Can I tell you when you begin to meditate on his law, which is love both day and night, it changes how you believe a thing. It will renew your mind from simply believing in God to absolutely believing him. I'm telling you, this this past six weeks or so has been so rough. It's been rough, and it's been a battle <laughs> in my mind and different things that were going on. And and um, moment of transparency. And sometimes in our nature, our old nature, rather, we we tend to want to shift to that that place of where fear takes root and uncertainty takes root. But can I tell you that every time I allow my mind to hold fast, and to get aligned with the heart of God. Something happened instantaneously. It didn't take a long time. But I was able to hear him clearly. My mind began to shift from thoughts of, uh-uh, that don't look like God. That's not the Father. That's not the heart of the Father for us. This is what it looks like, and this is what he said. And I'm telling you, when you align yourself and you begin to focus and to begin meditate on his love both day and night. Mm. Oh, I love this in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 13 says, the spirit not content to flit around on the surface. He dives into the depths of God and brings out what God had planned all along. There's nothing in the heart of God concerning you that he wants to keep a secret that he's hiding from you. God isn't hiding anything from you. It's all out in the open. But if we're looking here, 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 and here, how will we know it? And the Holy Spirit is diving deep into the depths to bring out all what God has planned out along. And it says, whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except for you yourself. The same with God, except for that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. 
God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he's giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. I don't have to rely on CNN. I don't have to rely on Fox. I don't have to rely on Facebook to tell me what's going on in the world. My heart and my mind are oriented towards the Father. I have a hope in him. I have peace in him. And I have understanding. this is not how this situation is. I don't care what else is going on in our lives, in the nation, in the country, in the world, in our personal circumstances. I have a victorious mindset. When Jesus, when we align ourselves with the mind of Christ, it takes you out of a victim mindset. It takes you out of a defeated mindset. It releases you from all of those chains that are holding you back. And you rise up in who you are and who God has called you to be. It will cause you to rise up and say, I have the victory. I'm not waiting for victory. I have the victory. I'm walking in victory. And when I release victory out of me, it releases into you. And then the world has victory. Because then they can stop looking at CNN. Jesus, can I tell you, church, when we begin to meditate on this thing called the law of love, it unlocks some stuff. The world is sitting out there like prisoners shackled up in fear, watching the news, watching doctor reports. And we have the victory. We have the hope for the world locked up in us. But if we don't rise up, Jesus, can somebody rise up in understanding what the love love has called us to do and to be so that we can not only set the world free, we can set them on fire. Love begins to burn out everything that doesn't reflect the heart of the father heard a few of them thump 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 (laughs) when we meditate on his love when we meditate on his love it brings us to a place of freedom James says but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and continues to do so not a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, will, we, will be blessed in what he does. There's a blessing in meditating on the law of love. It brings freedom, not just to us, not to us personally. It brings freedoms to our households. It brings freedom to our body. It brings freedom to this church. I love that God is sending in a wave of people who are established in identity and established in wholeness. And they bear, they bear the fruit of love. Because when you bear the fruit of love, you understand you're called to produce a fruit. You're not standing under a tree waiting for fruit to fall on you. 
I'm not waiting for apples and oranges. I'm not waiting for peaches and plums. I'm over here meditating in love saying, God, God, I want to be a fruit tree. I want to be rooted in you because I want to produce what you've called me to produce in earth because I know you've not called my seed to be barren. You've called it to produce something that changes the world. How many people in here have a heart and a mind that says, God, you've called me to change the world. How do I change the world? It's getting out from under everybody's apple and orange trees and decide you're going to get planted by the streams of the living water and that your leaf won't die. It won't wither. It won't fade and it won't fail away. It, it, you you want to know how you bear fruit? It means getting locked into the presence of God. It means getting rooted. It means getting plugged into a house where we host the presence of God and that's our priority. It means getting your mind right. It means that I'm walking in peace and I won't accept anything else. I don't care what the bill collector says. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what they said down the street. I don't care about the neighbor's cat barking and the dog meowing. I am rooted and grounded in the love, love, because this law changes everything. And when we get rooted, we become intentional about not going back and digging up the roots. Good fruit don't grow overnight. Good fruit is a, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. And as those roots are being formed, as your roots, you're getting rooted into community. You don't have a mindset. And we don't do that here. It's just these old people over there in that hot Phoenix over there in Arizona. They do that. But when you're rooted in, you don't get a mindset that says, well, hasn't they picked me yet? When do I get to sing on the worship team? I've been singing all of my life. <laughs> Why don't they ask me to do the offering? I work at a bank. I handle money every day. Why don't I get to sit next to Pastor Zach this week? They didn't have me at the Color Folks Coalition. Our mind shifts begin to change because I understand that underneath what I don't see is something working deep in that's going to root me and that's going to ground me. And if I keep watering it, if I keep coming back, if I keep submitting, if I keep coming up under, if I keep serving, it's going to water and it's going to grow. And before you know it, I don't just have a tree. I have a whole entire orchard. Tom's been talking about this. We don't want just a fish. We don't want just, we want the whole doggone pond how about that I'm not stopping with a sip of water where is the well where is the well where is the well I want to know how I can pump my own there's a river of living water that springs forth out of me but if every time I have to come and say Chris I need you to pump me Chris I need you to prime me look some of y'all from the country y'all know back in the day they had those wells they didn't turn on pastas you had to pump that thing and prime it till the water came from we're beyond that this is a new wine skin we don't have to shake you up like seven up we need to open you up and pour you out this that good wine we didn't get this 7-eleven we somebody stopped by total wine shaba that might have been me but y'all know Ah, okay. Woo, my God. <laughs> Meditating on his law day and night, which is love. It gives you vision. <laughs> 
Okay, Psalms 34 and 8 said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see something happens when you get a taste of this thing. When you get a taste of love, it opens up your eyes and causes you to see. Your vision is changed. Ah, some of us, before we got here, we had some pretty strong medication in our spiritual glasses. And we were looking through some faulty lenses. And, you know, our son Zion is back with us for the summer. And this boy goes through glasses like, I have no idea. So every time he comes, he didn't have glasses because they broke or something happened. And so <laughs> Jared pulled out her box of old prescriptions. Zion tried this. <clears throat> no, Zion tried these. No, Zion, none of them worked. And it's like, my well, poor baby, he wanted to go to the movies. And I said, Zion, let's go to drive. And he said, I can't go. I said, what he said? Because the screen is too far. Excuse me. I said, what about the regular, the walk-in? He said, I can't go there because it's too blurry, because it's too big. I said, well, Jesus, um, I don't know. We need a cornea transplant at this point. But... <laughs> But he came upstairs, and he's like, Mama. I said, what? He said, can I wear these? I said, yeah. I said, what? He said, it's your readers. I can see. I can see. And the joy on his face. Something happened when he realized he was able to see. And I think about Jesus and the blind man. He said, I want my sight back. I'm telling you, when you get in the presence of love and you get in the presence of your father it gives you your sight back we don't have to look through faulty lenses we don't have to look for prescriptions that's not for us because that's the way you see it and you see it and you see it it may not work for me but God has a specific prescription just for me that allows me to see all of the good that he has planned for me it allows me to see all of the good and you and all of the good in the world it gives you your freedom and your vision, the freedom to see. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> it changes how you live. Because love comes in and it envelops you and it blankets you and it wraps itself around you and I love doing worship that we have the freedom to come and just worship at the altar and you could feel the blankets of God's grace and his healing and his goodness as we begin to worship and our hearts are oriented at one and, and, that, and it releases the sound of heaven and it changes some things we were singing the song the reckless love of God and all of a sudden I stopped worshiping and I began to listen and all of a sudden the congregation singing over took the worship team singing and we were in one place and one heartbeat and all of a sudden everybody was moving almost in unity in accord and it says in Acts 17 and 23 for in him we, lo- we live and we move and we have our being so when we allow the love of God to come and blanket us and to wrap itself around us we're all of a sudden finding out that that is the place in which we live from that is the place in which we move from and that is the place from which we will be we don't have to perform we don't have to put on an act or a show we can just be in love it ceases the striving it ceases it and this last scripture 
Uh, the reason why it's important that we, because the old law, like I said, it was a demand. And the new law is an invitation. And the reason why that's important is because it's detailed in Hebrews 7, 11, and 12. It says, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood. So if perfection could have been attained doing things the old way and after the old order, I'm paraphrasing right there, it says, why was there still a need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek. If doing things the old way, thinking from an old mindset, sipping old wine from old wineskins was working, why was there a need for a new wine and a new wineskin? Mm. Why was there still a need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. When the priesthood, the reality of who Jesus is, is changed in our hearts and sealed in our minds, the law has to change too. So we no longer move, live, and operate from a place of demand, but we move, live, and operate from a place in the law of grace. So Jesus in his faithfulness established a new law while simultaneously ratifying the old. It was fulfilled in him. And now we walk, live, move, have our being from the seat and the position of love. Saints, I invite you to wrap your mind around the law of love.